everyone to the podcast. Now, like it or not, winter is coming again this year, pretty much right on schedule. In fact, a little bit earlier, and one of our scheduled guests for this particular podcast had to beg off, got a little shorthanded, and they're slammed with winter tire changeovers. Probably sounds familiar, right? So with me today is our intrepid co-host of sorts, uh, Murray Voth from RPM Training. Welcome, Murray. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Jason. And, and of course, Jason Snyder. Jason is a co-owner of Chad Kennedy's Auto Pro in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So as I mentioned, winter winter's coming. And, and for a lot of folks listening to this right now, it's kind of here. And, and it can be a very busy time uh, through, you know, late October, early November, and right into, depending on where you are in Canada, right up to, you know, right into December uh, for some of those areas that don't see the winter tire influx uh, you know, quite as early as others. I'm thinking about you folks out in BC, uh, lucky yeah. ducks. <laughs> but in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, they do get winter. Um, how does how does your winter tire season, your your kind of late October, November look uh, from a capacity standpoint, an activity standpoint, Jason? Well, we get the buzz started already, so the phones are ringing. We're booking tire changes in now and just trying to do it properly and make sure the shop flows and everybody's happy. Yeah. I mean, that can be, that can be a challenge though, right? I mean, uh, you've got, you know, I know shops, sometimes they have them all lined up out the door and, and uh, uh, you know, is there a tendency to want to just kind of bang tires and get, get the customers happy? Cause they're only mostly there to say, Hey, look, I just need my winter tires on. And you're like, you know what? You have to say, Hey, on, let's look at the car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we try not to book a whole lot of customers that aren't customers to do winter tires. So we ask the questions mm. up front and you know, we try not to put people's tires on that they bought online. There's a few guidelines that we go through when we do our bookings to actually get the right people in the door. We don't want to do tires all day, right? That's the last thing we want to do in our shop. Right, right, right. I mean, this is Murray. This is something I'm sure you hear about uh you know, from some of your other uh, uh, shops that that uh, that you work with, am I right? Uh, yes, very much so. And one of the reasons why I'm glad that Jason is here is because he is a very uh, high volume location that's worked really hard at managing that. And so it's music to my ears to hear that they're looking after their regulars first, which means. And Jason, I think you were implying that if they're due for a maintenance service or if they're due for other stuff you're able to fit that work in at the same time right oh absolutely that's how yeah. we like yeah. to book our winter tires right yeah, yeah. right so because yeah. which comes back to andrew i responded to a post on indie garage <laughs> a couple of days ago um and i misspelled breaks uh, and i couldn't go back and edit it <laughs> um it was an article about a company in the states that's putting in this fancy drive-through tire business model you know, all about convenience, get them in, get them out, get them in, get them out. And it just rang, rang stories of the past. I've heard stories of, of tire locations, busy selling tires and changing tires. And then the cars leave with, you know, they've got broken springs, they have bad brakes, they have leaking radiators. Um, and the consumer has this idea that if they get an oil change at, at a fast lube place and get their tires changed over, that's all they need to do to their car. And they're always surprised when they have a breakdown later and their car needs thousands of dollars worth of work, right? So, you know, really the challenge that Jason, I think, is taking on well is let's look at the whole car, like the health of this vehicle, not just slapping tires on, which the industry is still doing a ton of, which really drives me, really drives me crazy. So 
Uh, Jason, what were some of the transitions that you did to, to sort of dial that in? Like, how did you get control of it? Well, we started the tire storage here a few years ago and we store a lot of customers' tires. So we kind of try to go through that tire storage, book those guys in, you know, mm. ask if they need maintenance at the same time, deferred work from last work orders, try to book it all in the same visit. Um, you know, a few years back, I remember taking everyone we could, every tire change. And at the end of the day, everyone's pulling their hair out, stressed out, worked too hard. And, you know, it wasn't as profitable either. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's kind of the bottom line. It's sort of, sort of to do a bottom line for the customer and for the shop, right? If you're not, if you're not, you know, doing the other work that a vehicle requires, you know, that that's not great for the customer because uh, they're going to have a problem later that maybe didn't get discovered. And you know, from a staff standpoint, I mean, you've got some highly trained, uh, you know, technicians that they want to fix cars, they want to find problems, locate them, solve them, you know. Beaten tires is is uh yeah I mean we need to do it it's important for the you know operation of the vehicle but you know it's not really using the whole brain is it no if that's all you're doing all day you're not doing anybody any favors right you're just in and out in and out in and out I can remember countless people coming in and need brakes on the car I'm too busy to do it put it out rebook it right we don't want to do that I don't want to do it all at once when it's in the in the shop yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you d- you did mention that that you know you you've developed a policy uh, to it sounds like uh, to not not install tires that that folks have purchased online. We try uh, not to, but it's, it's to. hard. It's kind of hard to kind of weave those people out. But for instance, I had a set two days ago booked in to put four tires on. They were shipped incorrectly. The bottom tires in the shipment were too skinny and they wouldn't seat to the rim. I had a technician, a licensed technician, two hours trying to put a set of tires on. That right then, I'm like, that I'm done with it. Like it's just one of those things that we don't need in our business. So right, right. Just so so the the actual tires that come, people buy them online. They don't yeah. maybe they don't order correctly. They don't they don't ship correctly. Yeah, I think it's more of a shipping thing and a storage thing at one point, right? Right, right. Where they, where they get squished, they get squished because wow. they're stored flat, right? Is that what you said, Jason? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Oh, okay. So here's another here's another thing, Andrew, with the online ordering. Um, shops are telling me that these tires are showing up and they're take, checking the date on them, uh, the production date on them. And some of them are, are expiring, have expired or are going to expire in two or three months. Um, and so now these people have spent the money and now they're actually put it, trying to put a tire in a car that wouldn't actually pass the safety. Right. Right. So that's another challenge with depending on who you're buying from the reliability of that source. Right. So and then, of course, if you touch those as a shop, then you own the liability of that issue. Right. So. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. yeah. These are all pretty big concerns. Right, Jason. I mean, uh, you know, I guess it means that you want to control control your supply of, uh, of tires and, and uh, you know, you've got obviously, uh, you know, storage there for for your uh, for some of your customers and. And uh, you know, that's one way of doing it. But how do you how do you manage to uh, ensure that what you're getting uh, for for your customers who do need that new set? Um, how do you ensure that you're you're getting that, that both the quality that you need for them and and uh, the kind of timing that you need for them too? Well, we generally stock the most frequent sizes that we use, I guess. And my tire supplier is literally twenty minutes away. So if I need a set of tires, you know, if they can't get them to me quick, we can pick them up. Um, but usually we're ahead of the eight ball and we have our tires here that we need the day before. 
just so everything flows smoothly, right? And we try not to sell like a lower end tire. So we're kind of more into the middle range, higher end tires, right? Right, right. Have you seen any any increasing pressure from customers to ask about uh, kind of some of the lower range, uh, oper- uh, you know, options? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's always options. So we give people the option, like kind of good, better, best. There's always one below the good, but we don't really present that unless we have to, <laughs> right? But yeah. sure. How do you manage that with a customer? I mean, how do you? How's the conversation go? And it's more or less like you know, you're gonna need four set of tires. Let's say it's gonna be six hundred bucks installed, and they're like. Well, maybe I don't have 600 bucks right now. So, okay, well, there is another option, but they don't like to sell them and there's not as good warranty on them and the ratings aren't that good on them. They won't last you as long, but, you know, it's $500. And, you know, sometimes people just say, you know, just put those on. They'll get me by the winter and maybe we'll deal with it again in the spring and see where we're at. But Right, right, right. As long as we can give people options, and to me, that's probably the best way to do it. Right, right. Now, from a from the standpoint of uh, uh, you know profitability, I mean, you, you know, there, there's a really good story here to be able to say, oh yes, yeah, sure, it's winter time, it's winter, it's not winter changeover season, it's winter maintenance season, right? Yeah. <laughs> Taking that visit in, right, Murray? I'm sure you see that in the numbers when when you you know you can probably see it. There's, oh, here's one of my shops that I work with that that clearly got caught up in that. That we're just changing tires. You can probably see it in their finances, right? Yeah. Well, one number that we measure everybody by is a key performance indicator called sold hours per work order. Um, the industry average is 1.1, and the the benchmark for passenger light truck is three, um, and that's based on proper inspections and what the vehicle needs at that visit. Right? It's not about upselling. It's just you know statistically, a vehicle needs about three hours worth of work twice or three times a year. And I see it happen to every shop, even the best. Um, there might be one or two exceptions in the spring season, but even the best, I see that number dip during this time of the year. And the further east we go, the lower <laughs> the lower it dips. Um, partly because, uh, again, if you go with a fairly recent report, I can't quote the report, I'm sorry. And, and Andrew, I'm sure you'll find the person who, who did it. Um, you know, Quebec has been manda- mandated winter tires for a long time, a decade at least, I think. Um, and then the eastern provinces, the maritime provinces are not mandated, but kind of followed suit and then Ontario followed suit. So I think Ontario is up to 80% now winter tires in terms of consumer purchase. And then it goes, you know, 70 Manitoba, 60 Saskatchewan, 50 Alberta, then 40 in BC, right? So so it's not that the Eastern shops are doing anything wrong. The fact is that they, they literally have more people with winter tires. And of course, Ontario has a you know, pretty big population. So you have a lot of people, a lot of cars with winter tires, right? So we watch that number, we, know, we watch that number dip. But the, the thing about it is, is the range of the dip is, is more important to me than the dip, right? So if somebody say, for example, is averaging, 2.4 per work order because they, they do a lot of maintenance work and repair work on their clients' vehicles and they drop to 2.2 during <clears throat> October, November, they're still putting some pretty decent money in the bank, right? I know that the mix is there. But if somebody's at 1.9 and drops down to 0.9, I know that they're just doing changeovers all day. I mean, the numbers, I don't have to even be at the shop um, and, and tell people what I observe going on. In fact, some people think it's kind of spooky. They say, how do you know that? You're not even here. And I'm like, well, number one, I used to have that habit. 
<laughs> I've been there. And number two, I know I've watched these numbers for many years, right? So the idea that I challenge people on is, is regardless of where that number is, right? See if what you, if you can get that to go up by 0.1 or by, by point two. So if I could just give a couple more pieces of advice on that, you know, Jason's already on track with focus on the regular clients first, focus on the stored vehicles first. He mentioned looking up in the histories, how close are they do for an oil change? How close are they do for other work? Bringing that up and looking after the car, right? So that's, that's a really good practice. But the other, other thing is, is asking the client the question, whether they need other things, but you have to ask it differently than most shops do. Most shops are like a waiter, right? Would you like anything else, sir? Well, the person goes, no. They, they're, they're so focused on getting those winter tires on and getting out the door, right? But if you rephrase the question and say, hey, sir, before we start these winter tires, do you have any other concerns, any noises, any leaks, any warning lights on? And then all, all of a sudden they go, oh yeah, right. I forgot about that. that you know, could, could you look at that while you're in here for the winter tires? That rephrasing of that question on average gives a shop 0.4 sold hours per work order. 0.4. And the client's feedback in surveys is they love it because you ask them questions that prompted them to remember their concerns because they're busy lives. They don't remember when they drop off the car, right? So that, those are the kind of practices that we can see where we can begin to you know, be more profitable using that. Now, is there a limit to how many cars a shop will fit in in a month? Yeah, so guess what? At a certain point, some people just are going to bounce off, right? What do you think about what Murray's saying there, uh, Jason? Does that ring true? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of what goes on in the shop is wording in the front office. When customers come in and even how they write down on the work orders, what they're looking for on the car specifically, problems and stuff like that. But 100%, yeah. Do you, do you find that you have have to sort of remind yourselves to get back on track, especially when the shop is really slammed and and uh, you're I mean you're you're trying to keep control of the process, but there's no doubt there's some folks going to be just showing up at your door this this time of year with that yeah. desperate expression on their face, right? Yeah, and I mean we get it every single day in this season, and like you just can't help everybody, right? You know, people are booked for their appointment two weeks advance, and like they show up, I can't sneak someone in because they just showed up and supposed to snow tomorrow like that's not going to happen right right yeah. Yeah. Well, how do you handle that what do you do i mean you don't want to always necessarily just say <laughs> turn you away you know but is there you try and sort of say look I, I, we can't do it today yeah i was like sorry honestly the best i can do is book you for two weeks down the road and right you know, another thing our shop does well is we book waiting appointments at 7 45 and 8 45 we don't offer any other waiting appointments during the day Oh. It's just too hard to sneak a car in at one o'clock to do tires or a motor vehicle inspection and all chain service. So every appointment that comes in, it's like a drop-off appointment. You have to leave it with us. And if they decide to wait, oh. then they're totally waiting in the waiting room as long as it takes to get it in. Right? That is brilliant, Jason. I love that policy. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Yeah, it's just oh. up, up front, right? right? 100%. Yep. Yeah. yeah, limit the weights to two, two time, two time slots, and after that, you have to leave the vehicle, and that eliminates that eliminates the people who uh, whose poor planning constitutes an emergency on on our part, right? <laughs> yeah, I can count how many times I booked a two o'clock tire change this time of the year. Two o'clock comes, I still had fifteen cars to get in the shop, and I'm stressed out, and then this other one shows up that I have to get in right away. Yeah, 
no, it's uh, it's not worth the stress, right? Yeah, right, right. You know, and you end up you end up being you know not doing a you know doing a disservice both to your staff and, and to your and to the customer because at that point you're not going to deliver on on whatever the kind of expectation is for your own self. Oh, to no, not at all. Yeah, that customer. Yeah. You know? So on the, they're going to drink that. an awful lot of coffee, a lot, an awful <laughs> lot of your coffee uh, over the next. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, like even uh, even the most cheerful customer uh, coming in after three hours is is not going to look too happy, and you don't really want that. <laughs> no, you don't. It's you know, it stresses everybody out, and it's just like I said, it's not worth the stress. Not worth the stress, yeah. and there's other ways to deal with it. I mean, that's that's the exactly, thing. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a busy time of year for everybody. So if if if, if, if you had any advice for uh shops out there who are really trying to get a hold of you know they see what they're doing they hear what murray's saying and they're like oh you know but i just i just can't seem to make that transition um what would you what would you tell them jason i would honestly i like my weight procedures like i tell them you know only book the two weights a day and don't overbook your day we have a certain amount of appointments per day that we allow and then after that it's to the next day and we don't go over it and you know if we you know it comes four o'clock we have nothing to do and we've done more work and made more money than we would have just banging tires it all day right right so we're doing more maintenance we're fixing more brakes more front end just it's it's all around better right 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 murray Yes. Well, a couple of things I'd like to add uh, a shop um, that I know in Western Canada handles this. I mean, I love Jason's policies. This guy's got another policy when the phone rings and somebody says, I'd like to get my winter tire changeovers. He and he says, is it just a changeover? He says, we've got slots two weeks from now or three weeks from now. He said, however, if you have any other concerns, if you're due for an oil service, if you're due for, if you have any other concerns, I can have one of my, my technicians, uh, look after those winter tires at the same time as they do the other work. So what they're saying is, is if you have other concerns, we will do them. However, if it's just want us tire swap, then I've got a spot for you three weeks from now. So guess what that begins to happen is the person who's phoning around for the quickest way in says, sorry, you know, um, they leave. And everybody who says, oh yeah, you know, I'd love you to do this for me or that for me. Now it's like Jason's place. Now you're working on profitable work and you're managing the day and, and that. But the other part that I always throw at here is, is information that I got from you, Andrew, through J.D. Nay of J.D. Power, reporting on the uh, market share study, where the four to seven-year-old car, the new car dealers now have 60% of the market share, right? Four to 12. Four to 12. Four, four to 12. Pardon me. Thank you for correcting me on that. That's even worse. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. 60% so of, of the revenue share. Right share is, is to the new car dealers and then the aftermarket has 20 percent, and then there's 20 percent that is shared the, the clients go to both right. and then yeah. mr nay elaborated on the fact that what they share is not the good work when the dealers are busy this time of the year they cheat on the dealer with oil changes and tire changeovers so what's happening is is there's shops out there that are saying yes to a whole bunch of people that are actually not that loyal to them they're just trying to squeak in because their regular shop dealer can't get them in so that's another thing i remind people of is is are you going to let a stranger in because you can't say no and then have to say no to one of your regular clients who's got a brake squeak right like we have to make choices right 
So right, yeah. I'm just going to say that that uh, you know I know you're quoting JD Nye. Uh, I I can't offhand verify all of those statistics, but I will say that the market share of jobs for the aftermarket has been pretty stable uh, or returned to stable during the okay. depths of the pandemic. We, yes. we, as the aftermarket, did see an increase over the dealers yeah. for a lot of reasons, the closures and forced closures, things like that. Yeah. Um, but they've, they've now, the dealer networks have now retaken their, their the temporarily lost revenue share and they still have a significantly higher uh, average work order number than the aftermarket uh, shops yeah. do. Some of that is the value that the shops bring, that the independent shops bring to the to the customer for sure. Uh, yeah. But some of it is probably also not necessarily doing all the work that should be uh, done. Exactly. And uh, you know, some might argue that car dealers do more than what should be done too. So I'll just leave that one out there. Well, too. Yeah, that, that has been spoken of. But if we circle back to what I said earlier, as an aftermarket shop, if you're trying to, to stay busy and make money by keeping busy, you take changeovers and oil changes, your average work order size is going to be lower than the dealer, right? So it's, it's like you said, Andrew, the focus is on the wrong thing, right? So if you focus on looking after the vehicle as it should be looked after, you're going to have a higher work order size, right? Right. And client and customer satisfaction. Yeah, I mean, and then all rolls into one, right? Right, Jason. I yeah. mean, you know, you get you get uh, you you may deliver at the end of the day. You know, you're not just doing uh, whatever seventy, eighty, hundred dollar tire changes, but you're delivering a a vehicle to the customer that's in good working order, right? Absolutely, yeah. And that all stems from a good inspection when the vehicle comes uh, in the shop, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so Jason, do, do the vehicles that come into your shop for a winter changeover, do they get an inspection of some sort? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We do our courtesy inspection. It's like a 40 point inspection. Wow. That's a lot of value. And, and you know, as, as, as an experienced uh, tech and shop owner told me once, every car needs some work. Every yeah, car that has something, it's, it's, uh, yeah. you know, it's just inevitable. People, you know, come in two, two, two visits a year, maybe three and every vehicle could use something uh, mm-hmm. that will probably, you know, stave off a much bigger repair later. Um, and nobody, you're not going to know that if you're just <laughs> head down, jamming tires on and off like some NASCAR pit crew, right? So it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, slow down. That's <laughs> what it must feel it's like. Not yeah. a race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's great. This has been fun. Jason, uh, all the best. I hope that everybody uh, survives the coming winter. Um, <laughs> Uh, really, really good advice about taking control of the process and the customer mm-hmm. intake and putting them where you need to put them in your process, not the other way around. Uh, you know, treating your customer well and you're t- treating your your loyal customers the best. Uh, Murray, uh, again, a great uh, uh, input on the metrics. Keep an eye on that. Your average work order, hours sold, uh, will tell you everything about whether or not you're doing a good job, particularly in super high pressure, uh, high volume times of the year, like we're, we're seeing right now. And that's all I got. I got, I'm sure I've got to go uh, stack some firewood because uh, winter <laughs> is in fact here. That's not even a joke. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks to Jason and Murray for joining me on the show. Uh, take care of yourselves out there. Take care of each other and we'll all get through this together. Listening to the Great Canadian Aftermarket Podcast. 
Brought to you by the publishers of Indie Garage and Jobber Nation. Connect with us online at indiegarage.ca and jobbernation.ca. A brand of chat-integrated media.